Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm Bobby Howard. Joined with me today is, as always, uh, the doctor himself, Jameson Maxwell. Uh, Ty is out this evening due to, look, can't confirm or deny, probably something due to, so probably Jeff Lebby related uh, illness. We, we can't confirm or deny. I'm not a doctor, and uh, Jameson mm -hmm. can't diagnose from, the, from a distance. But look, the Sooners took their first loss of the season, a crushing, crushing 38 to 33 uh, loss in Lawrence against the Kansas Jayhawks. That was one of the, and frankly, it was one of the coldest, wettest games I've ever been to awful times uh, in person, just a, a brutal, brutal atmosphere. And look, we have a lot to talk about Jameson. So let's just get into it. What went wrong? I mean, where do you want to start? And I think everyone wants to hear this at the beginning of the podcast. So let's get into it. Should we just straight up talk about coaching? Because what happened in this game, there is absolutely no excuse from all sides of the ball. I think Jeff Lebby is going to get a lot of bad rap, but can I go out and make a hot take? Why haven't we it. been talking about DeMarco Murray and how bad of a job he's doing this year? He's getting I think people, all it, it's just because he's no you legacy. It. It's it, yeah, he's no you legacy. He's like the darling of OU. But guess what? He's also been a problem. I just want to put that out there. I'll I'll hit it a little bit later. But like Jeff Levy is like a huge, huge issue. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, and I, I feel like the DeMarco talk is definitely on the running back development. It doesn't feel like for it feels wrong in a way. And I'm not trying to diminish Tawi Walker. He has been a, an incredible, but let's be honest when you have Gavin Sawchuk and Javante Barnes, two incredibly talented guys, seeing them regress the way they have has been obviously hard to watch, hard to stomach. Kansas had better running backs than us this game outside of Tawi Walker who got banged up. I, I think DeMarco hasn't been really um hasn't gotten enough flack as as he as he should have as he has he needs he needs to be under fire i i would agree with you there but i think it's overall, not just the development bobby though it's like the the choice of him playing i don't know if this is his choice also this i i would like to say that he has a say of when running backs come in the game but Having Javante Barnes in on that last drive that we went three and out after that Ethan Downs interception makes no sense whatsoever. So, okay, you might have missed this, but uh, Tawi Walker was banged up. Yeah, it doesn't matter. J Javante Great. Barnes should be not even on the field. He should be a red shirt right now. Like, yeah, I think there's, that's there's no excuse. Like, why is Javante Barnes playing in that role whenever he hasn't shown anything this whole year? A guy who's just running and missing gaps. If you look at the, those plays that he had, he actually had a couple of gaps and those duds of runs that he had in that three and out that he could have made yards, but he continuously runs into tackles. Like he should not be playing. I don't see there's any excuse. I don't care if Tawi Walker's banged up. You played the running back that you started on the game, and that's Sawchuck. Like, what's going on here? And and look, I think I, I see what you're saying. But I think a lot of that comes to Levy too, because not only should you be pay playing like the running back you started, be playing the running backs that have gotten snaps, you should be playing running backs as running backs. Um, I, I think, and fairly so, a lot of people have been focusing on just the awful, God, awful jet sweeps. And 
you know, Jalil Farouk specifically that fumble he had, why, why in the world are we, especially when Tawi Walker is doing what he's doing at that point in time, he was healthy. He was fine. Why do we have uh, Drake Stoops and Jalil Farouk in the backfield? Why are we doing that? I, I think yeah. that decision-making falls on Levy. And it honestly makes me think that Levy has a, I'm going to put a, I'm going to pin a lot of the coaching mistakes on Levy um, because I, I think it's fair. I think it's, I think it's fair to critique DeMarco Murray, but Jeff Levy offensively coached us out of this. And I, Oh yeah. It's a sports He's the number one problem. He's the number right. one problem. I just wanted to make this sure is that his DeMarco, worst game. DeMarco needs this to is the be worst game at least called. thought of too. Oh, there's no Agreed. doubt about it. And, and the thing is, Bobby, what we saw from early on in the Jeff Levy experience and something that we were nervous about and frustrated, but it kind of, we know, went under the carpet because we had a bad season last year and then we kind of made it through this year, is it's the same old thing. This is not new, guys. And it's the, I don't trust my offensive players. And he has such a short, short, you know, leash on people to where he feels like he has to play like control and micromanage the game. And in this game, Dylan Gabriel throws a pick six at the beginning and he legitimately said, you know what? I'm going to give the ball to my running backs. I don't care if it's raining that I've done nothing this whole year because I'm scared. My Heisman candidate quarterback can't throw the football. Are you kidding? I mean, Gabriel had what 19 passes, I believe, overall. 19 passes and 55 rushing attempts total for the rest of the team. You know, yeah. I understand yeah. Dylan Gabriel had 14 of those, but still, that is 41 rushing attempts to 19 passing attempts, not counting Dylan Gabriel's rushing. And look, I, I get it because it was it was the weather was bad. It I don't know if people really got it. Uh, it was sleeting on us. It was a really those atmosphere that atmosphere was as bad as it gets. But at the same time. It just doesn't make sense to just not when Kansas is daring you to throw to not let him to not trust your Heisman level guy. And in the limited time he was throwing, he was great other than that pick six, which by the way, was also kind of Jeff Levy's fault because it was an RPO, which kind of a kind of an unrealistic pass option. If you think about I will it, say this, threw, Dylan did not take his eyes off awful. the receiver the whole time. Looked it was awful. the whole way through it. It was awful, but frankly, why are you running an RPO on third and three? Like, just run yeah. the ball. I, 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 get I, I can it. see I it. Get third it. and three. Third and three is kind of a popular RPO down. So I, yeah, I get but that. It, but but, but it, it's just it Dylan Gabriel. Making a realistic route, though. Yeah. For no, Dylan it, it was it wasn't good. Now with RPOs, you shouldn't be throwing that far across the field. RPOs, you should keep things pretty congested to like your short side of the field. Um, and if your yeah. main target is all the way that far and he's looking at it the whole way, I think if he looked on the other side, I'm pretty sure Nick Anderson was open. Like that's it's that is legitimately what we've known to be as Dylan Gabriel's biggest weakness. He plays his first read and sometimes he overplays it. And legitimately, that's what he did on that play. Yeah, right. And my thing is like RPOs are based on speed. So when you're going that far away, it you know, kind of ruins the whole point of the pass option of it, you know, because mm -hmm. everyone knows what you're doing by then. And that's how you could bite a route like that. It just, it was not good. It was not. Yeah. Good. It's so hard to read a defense and decide if you want to run or pass it whenever the wide receivers all the way on the other side of the field. It's just not a good play call. Absolutely not. Um, 
And I guarantee you that was the first option because he was looking at it the whole time. So that's how that play is called. For sure. No, I, I like I get it, but it just it's still just not good. Um, but I, I feel like overall the biggest complaints I have with Levy is, you know, you had a good thing going with Tawi Walker's running game. We were dicing them. We were cutting right through the heart of them. And we just went away with it because you want to be creative on some jet sweeps. Because you just want like, what are we doing? That mm. and, and I know we're like, this is a different scooter pod. We usually just methodically go through that. that that's not what we're doing. We're breaking the wheel. We're throwing the formula out. We're just mm. talking. We're venting. But let's just, I, I want to jump to that last drive. Mm-hmm. How toothless, just gutless, like of, of, of a play call, like just a, a series of play calling. You have Dylan Gabriel, Heisman hopeful, maybe going to make it to New York. And instead, you're just going to hand it off to Javante Barnes. And you just roll over three times. We're not going to try, just, just try to get a first down and the game is over. It just, it, it baffles me that we were gifted that by a great, great uh, Ethan Downs interception. And we just forfeit it. it, just, it, it it's baffling. It's baffling to me. Like We were punting either way. If he even try to throw it on third down, at least have some kind of inkling of aggressiveness to try to get the first down. You know, Dylan Gabriel doesn't want to throw the ball. I would hope he's a veteran enough to know I can just go down and take the sack, and this punt is a still going to probably have the same yardage to it. Exactly, because you can still force him to take the time out. You know, yeah. he—that's the thing about Dylan Gabriel is he—he is. We've seen it. We've seen it at the biggest stage possible of OU Texas. When the guy need like has that freedom and that trust to make his own decisions, he's usually pretty good and he can talk the ball. He I, I feel like he usually doesn't make the wrong choice there. So mm-hmm. my thing is just at least give him the option to throw the ball and just give you a shot at making a first down. It just felt like they were just I don't know. It, Jeff Levy just frankly did not call a very good game at all. It was it was like he was playing not to not to lose. And the second you do that, you lose, I feel like. Yeah, exactly. And here's the thing. I feel like like we talked about at the beginning, Bobby, like we really haven't really appreciated the weather. You were there, so not a lot of Sooner fans were there, you know, so um, they don't truly know. But it's not like the opposing quarterback was having trouble throwing the ball downfield and making big-time passes. So you would assume Dylan Gabriel could do the same. It's not like the weather was so bad. Both sides of the ball, you know, offense for Kansas, offense for Oklahoma, were not throwing. And it was just, you know, like a just a run fest. And it was just a slot fest. No, it was just on the Oklahoma side of the ball where we were not throwing beyond the 10-yard marker. Exactly. I believe we... I, the Oklahoma breakdown had a had a stat on how much we've threw beyond the. Uh, I, I think we didn't even throw a pass over ten yards or completed a pass over ten yards until that last drive, where the last ditch effort drive, which we is had, we had the Nick Anderson. We had the Nick Anderson one um, in the middle of the field. That was a long completion, and other than that, I I don't think early like. Throughout the game, we didn't have much at all that was thrown downfield. And the Brandon and like Thompson, the Anderson one was like a yards after catch was. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, Tom, <laughs> Brandon Thompson just they just threw it up to the sky and essentially just I underthrew it. <laughs> but yeah, at least he oh, threw yeah. it. 
at least he threw it. But um, yeah, just some just a brutal offensive performance. And I I get it. Like when Tall Wee Walker goes down, that changes things. He was beat up. He was banged up. But it just it's it just not trusting Dylan Gabriel like that was just unacceptable. It was baffling, just baffling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's I really, really think it comes down to and I will say this again, not trusting Dylan Gabriel is one thing, but legitimately playing Javante Barnes on that last drive. I will never forgive whoever's decision that was. I really do think. I think that the game, our offensive play calling, it was flawed pretty much from the beginning. But that last, if that was DeMarco Murray's choice or if that was Jeff Levy's choice, that is the reason why I think you lose the game. I hate to put it on one person's shoulders. But still, that dude has been absolute buns the whole year. Absolute buns the whole year. And you play him in one of the most important third down drives, I mean, three down drives that you have. It's here's my thing. It's not only that they played him, it's that they handed off to him three straight times. It's that like, wh- what did they expect out of that? It, the dude hasn't done playing... anything the whole year. Like nothing. Like uh, let's let, let's play a game, Bobby. Um, I don't even know this. I'm looking it up right now. Um, actually, it's better than I thought it was. Um, I was gonna look at his <laughs> average rush for average rush for um for carry for the whole year. Um, it's 4.6. So I was hoping it was going to be a lot. It's actually not bad. Uh, but I mean, it, a lot of that was for in games that was like Tulsa and Arkansas State. So let's actually take away Tulsa and Arkansas State. He's only played in SMU before this. And I think Tulsa and Arkansas State games where we scored 66 and 73 does not count because those defenses were miserable. Just look what Tulsa did got happened with, with SMU this weekend. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And Arkansas State is horrible. So Versus SMU, he was two for five, you know? So, and he's five for 17 versus Kansas. Um, all right, tell me, guys, Jeff Levy, DeMarco, what are you thinking here? What have you seen that makes you want to play him? And, like, I'll put it this way. I'd rather play Javante Barnes than run, <laughs> I don't know, continuously run jet sweeps that don't work. With your yeah, I'm getting tired of that. At least pop you're pass. using a that pop pass is not it, because you know it's we run it every game. And Gavin Freeman, poor kid, runs for his damn life to the sideline to get either negative two yards or one yard every single time. Now it worked once. It worked a little bit last year too. It, it's not working anymore. We need to start phasing some things out of our playbook. Absolutely. I mean. You, I mean, you nailed it. You got, you got to phase it out. You got to be smarter with what you, what, what you play. And I, I feel like, I feel like the biggest problem with Levy is you just aren't getting that feel that he knows what he's doing. His, his plays don't play off of each other. They don't build off of each other. They don't create cohesive drives that make sense. That you know, really just click. It just feels clunky. Like. I don't know. At, like, like he's going with ask Corso or something on the same, like four plays oh, and he just doesn't know what he's doing. It just, it doesn't, it's not smooth. And I'm not exactly that. I'm not trying to act like I'm some sort of football brainiac or something that I know exactly what to do, but you just, you just instantly get the feeling that they, that it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And I, I heard someone say at some point, I, I think it was on the, the animal or like, Oh, you know, Kansas scored 38 points. You know, this is how can you blame the offense? 
I, I get the defense like had deficiencies, but like if you really think about it, a lot of the issues and a lot of the things that led to Kansas touchdowns were kind of offensive faults. So touchdown one was a pick six, obviously the offense's fault. Uh, second touchdown, uh, bad possession. You know that that's on the defense. Third one, they started at the 36 because of, you know, um, a fumble. And then KU's fourth touchdown was a big, big KU drive, two personal fouls on one play, which was weird, very odd. Um, And then from there, missed field goal, interception, interception on Kansas's end. So OU had opportunities to just slam the door and the offense just never did it. And then I just, I, I feel like the offense more than anything, gave this game away. I think a lot of it had to do with coaching. A lot of it had to do with leadership. Um, they did not put this team in a good position to succeed at all. And I know Kansas scored a lot, like relatively, but... They're going not, to score a lot. It's That's on like the offense. Kansas. That's, That's what they do. Legitimately, like, we know their defense is so flawed that you got to go out there and just stomp them and get ahead early. That's just what they do. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you got to give credit to... You know, Lance Leipold, I, I I thought he put together a really solid game plan. I thought Kansas came out firing. You know, the week they had off was really good. I don't think they're a bad team by any means. You know, uh, our mutual friend Ford was chirping, chirping us for losing, like chirping me for being like, oh, oh you lost to unranked Kansas. The USC hasn't lost to an unranked team. And first of all, no, hilariously ridiculous statement. No, no, of course not. No, I, but at the same time, like this is a solid Kansas team. But also they gave us ample opportunities to win this ball game. This was a winnable game. Kansas outplayed us. They coached us. They did the things they needed to do. They needed to do to win the game. And OU didn't. But the fact that OU didn't with a better roster, with better talent, is an indictment on the coaching staff, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coaching, it sucks. But also we got to start pointing fingers at the players and how injured we are right now because we're not talking about that enough because andrew anthony being out is a huge deal for us it's a huge huge deal our wide receiver room that we thought was so like you know we felt so confident in we're learning more and more that having a guy like andrew anthony was so crucial to us he was the guy who was getting us those 10 plus yard throws now, are we getting guys that can even get open? Is Jalil Farouk not that guy? I, he obviously wasn't that guy. We've seen it, you know? And then in terms of Nick Anderson, is he just a big play guy? Can he be a down-to-down guy? And so far, what we've seen, I'm not sure if that, that's the case. Well, I mean, here's the thing, Jameson. It's like, I, I like Andrew Anthony. I thought he's a great receiver. He was really good when he was when he was playing and healthy. But... Is Andrew Anthony really the difference between being an effective offense, getting good third downs, and what we saw on Saturday, where OU went two for ten no. on third down? No, no, he he's not that much of a difference maker. Surely, like your offense has a problem if Andrew Anthony is doing that much to, you know, contribute to your offense. He just he just wasn't like mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's it's incredibly troubling that that has been that much of a devastating blow, honestly. No, I, I wouldn't say like, oh, that is legitimately the Jenga piece that made everything fall down. That's that's not it, but it's definitely a contributing factor. But like you got this graphic up right now, like significant injuries that happened during this game and before this game. You know, like Danny Stutzman at the ankle injury, that's a big deal. Tommy Walker, obviously. 
um, he was doing great for us, and we had to pivot, and we obviously pivoted wrong. Um, Peyton Bowen, uh, Gentry Williams, McKay Batire. Like, this is – I will say Batire did play, box. but he's playing on yeah. one leg. Yeah, that dude, I don't know how he's doing it right now. Um, and, then and if you're Savion just put, Bird. Just put out – yeah, just I was about to say, put Savion Bird on this. He's not injured physically, but, man, this dude can't do anything right mentally. So, like, this guy's legitimately making stupid – He's stupid decisions all the time. Like he he needs to f- like fix his like you know his head and like actually make smart decisions because he's those personal fouls and like these missed blocks is just not it right now for him. So like it's not looking good across the board. The line looked unmotivated, just not there. They just didn't. They didn't. They don't have. They don't have the nasty. They don't have the. I don't know what to, I don't know how to put it. They just don't have it together. They didn't look they looked unfocused for another week. A lot of the team looked unfocused yet another week in a row. But the line is it's it's not there. And with Matara ailing and hurt, you gotta step up and fill that gap. And it's it's it that's unacceptable. But my thing I think is, Kaden Green continued to play well on the left side. I'll give him that. Green played great. But he's a freshman, you know. Yeah, didn't Green have that? I'm pretty sure Green. Look, well, we. I hate talking about penalties as like a pretty big deal or like, um, you know, a reason why you lost a game. But I'm pretty sure Caden Green had that one play where he just just bullied a dude into the ground. They called it hands of the face when it clearly wasn't. He just got his ass whooped. Mm-hmm. Um, heard I've heard Sam Mays talking about it a ton. I've heard a lot of people talking about it a ton. I've seen it. Um. Yeah, Caden Green, look, for a true freshman, he's working his ass off. He's going to be something special, I think. 101 yards of penalties for us. And that's just that's just unacceptable. And we, we got to talk about the penalties. Uh, there it is. You get it? Beam slide? <laughs> Beam slide, Jameson? Uh, for the YouTube folks, you, you get it. But um, no, 11 penalties, 101 yards, and the uh, Reggie Pearson ejection was brutal um and I, I i don't know how much like 30 of those happen on one play keep in mind which is weird uh getting two personal fouls in a row like that doesn't happen often but whatever overall you have to outplay that though and you can't let that be you know you can't let that beat you especially when you you know play we didn't i don't i don't know if we played pretty well i don't think i wouldn't say that but we played well enough to win the ball game. We had points where we could have just gone out and taken it, but let's, let's actually, let's just go ahead and talk about that Pearson ejection. Jameson. Um, you saw that the uh, Jason Bean going towards the end zone slides. I've never, have you ever seen a quarterback slide at the end zone? No, that had to be a he, slip, right? He realized, he realized he was in trouble and he spooked himself into doing it. And yes, I understand why Reggie Pearson got ejected. It's just such a weird scenario that in no way, shape, or form Reggie thought that was coming. That's just not a scenario. Like if he's running to the sideline or if he's running up the middle on first and 10, you play that a lot differently as a defender. But Reggie's coming downhill. He's going to hit you because he needs to stop you from crossing the end zone. I get it. It's just an unfortunate play. It's it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen, and I absolutely hate it. Um, and I'm not I'm I mean, you know me, I'm not one of those they took my football away type of guys, you know, who complains about the physicality of the sport being, you know, lessened from what it was. It needs to be safer. 
It absolutely does. But I also think at some point you have to have nuance and understand that overall these penalties, what they're trying to do is make you conditioned to hit in a safer manner, right? And because of that, you understand circumstances, you understand situations, you're under, you, you're able to understand body cues a little bit, where if you see a quarterback in the open field, you understand he's going to slide. You understand that's a possibility and you pull back. Nobody in their right mind would ever expect a quarterback to just stop at the one yard line on third down. What is Pearson supposed to do? These plays yeah, are it's not, it's not safe for being that's right. Right. And you know, I, a lot of people have thought, you know, is it, you know, was that a slip? Was that whatever? I, I don't know. No, it was but, on purpose. Like it, it was, yeah, he, it just, he, it was more of like a, he didn't, he made the decision on a whim, obviously. And it was just an instinct thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of, one of my, uh, one of the people I follow and we follow each other on can, um, Twitter, uh, Kansas follow also said you'd be, I, I said, has anyone ever seen someone slide on on you know goal line? He said, you know, that seems like that honestly seems like something Bean would do. So that's just kind of that that just apparently was on brand for Jason Bean. But ultimately it's it's just so frustrating. But you know, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, it sucks. It sucks, Reggie Pearson. But if he would have just dipped his shoulder, he would have got a touchdown. So in terms of the points of the game and that call really didn't change the amount of points that OU did or didn't get. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, do we want to talk about the defense a bit here, uh, Jameson? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was I was disappointed in the defense, Bobby, just because I saw some things that we could have improved on last year, last week, um, and I feel like some of our strengths actually became kind of weaknesses. Um, like the defensive line, I felt like could have played a whole lot better, and I saw some things last week that I was actually like kind of happy with the do- defensive line. And it's just like whenever you lose Stutzman, whenever he's not 100% with that ankle, he like he couldn't even do anything on the sideline with it. He's our leader. Legitimately, he's our keystone. And whenever you lose your leader in keystone, especially as an inside linebacker, inside linebacker is the quarterback of that defense, it takes a huge, huge hit to overall. He, Danny bails us out of so many plays. And unfortunately, that you could see clearly, we were, we were definitely missing him. Right. And I, I feel like the biggest thing talking about Stutzman being the keystone, being a leader is like Kip Lewis kind of played pretty good at the linebacker position. I thought he was pretty solid. He I thought, I thought he fit in well. Yeah. But Jaron Canick repl- played like Doogie though. Canick was awful. Canick was awful. Uh, that's what I was really saying though, is like losing that leadership quality above even like having a, a, a just a stud, you know, linebacker out there was was devastating uh, to the defense. They they didn't look they didn't have the same zip. They they did their best. They tried to be resilient. You know, uh, the two interceptions you know down the line I thought were incredible. Um, and you know, in if they had an offense that could actually you know convert those into points that could dagger the Jayhawks, then we're talking about an entirely different game. We're talking about an escape. Like we did last week, but we're not. We did. Uh, the defense did dagger the freaking Jayhawks. We just couldn't get it first down. No, it's as simple as that. That's what I was saying. No, the defense like handed the offense a dagger, and you know Jeff Levy just decided to toss it over his, his shoulder. Foot. Yeah, twice, twice. The, the, yeah. That's what I was saying. The defense daggered them. Offense didn't actually <sighs> do anything. They just kind of sat there and pissed their pants. 
I can't um, believe T. Lawrence drops that interception and we still get another opportunity with the Ethan Downs interception and we still blow it. And it's just yeah, hurts. <laughs> and I mean Downs, what what a great pick too. Like the instinct mm-hmm. to 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 nab that was well, you gotta give credit to Downs. He 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 looks mm-hmm. really good there. Um yeah. It sucks. It it just really sucks. Uh I thought Bowman's pick was oh, that's Dylan Gabriel. Uh I thought Bowman's pick was also really good. It, like we usually don't talk about MVPs on losses, but I, I think defensively Bowman was a pretty solid uh, defensive game ball type of guy. You know, I, I thought he tackled pretty all right. He had that pick. Um, I don't mm. know. I thought I thought <laughs> a couple of guys that played good. I thought Songkola had a good game. I felt like he was all over the field making plays. Whenever Agreed. really our other guys couldn't really do that. Um, I think Kendall Dolby's been put into a really tough position right now, playing the cheetah as well as playing some cornerback as well. And he made some big plays. Obviously he was, you know, the um, brunt of some bad plays, but that tip that he had that went to Billy Bowman, I feel like was a really, really good play. Um, Key Lawrence made some good plays too. If he would have caught that interception, he would be the MVP. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And like, there are a lot of plays that like were just almost made like that one right before the end of the first half, that uh, play that like Trace Ford went up, tipped it. And then I think it was Bowman. It might've been Woody who just like narrowly missed it. And then it just, the, the KU wide receiver comes from out of bounds and just like barely tip catches it, which still no idea how that was a catch because I don't know. I don't know if he established possession. He never, he did not establish connection. And like it, they called it on the field, a catch, right, Bobby? I believe so. So I, believe I, I don't so. remember. Um, but it's like, if you put it in slow-mo, they talk about this all the time watching football and it gets kind of old, but here I am saying it again. So sorry, but like whenever you slow things down, it really does make things seem a lot more clear in terms of like bang, bang plays. This dude did not establish himself. Are you kidding me? He got back and no way he, he freaking established himself. From out of bounds. Yes. He started his job from out of bounds. It makes no sense. And then the Big 12 having the audacity to come out and defend themselves for it. Obviously, here's the thing. What do you want them to say? What do you want them to say? Because they're not going to go out and say, hey, we made a huge mistake. If they're going to, they're going to put that in this last two-minute report like the NBA does and hide it in the back and news drop it, not whenever it's hot on the press. You know, they're not – and especially in college, they don't they don't need to do that, you know. Um they're, they don't need to come out and explain themselves. It's it, it makes no sense. Right. And I mean, you know, they don't owe it to anyone. They don't have to. And not only that, it's OU, so they're not going to. They can be flawed. Referees can be flawed. It's as simple as that. But coming yeah, out sure. and explaining yourself and saying yeah, that you just... were right in that situation. Now, I understand the rule is a little bit like, you know, it's a kind of a weird situation here that it's hard to talk about rules. But still, like, it just, I think it's just sad. You just, you, you, you're not going to get a lot of positive reviews from posting that. Uh, PR person in charge of, you know, the referees in the Big 12, you should have just put your head down and stayed quiet. Yeah. You don't, don't need a press crumb for that. Just don't do it. But, um, yeah. What a mess. What a mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and what, like, kind of, can we, can we talk about special teams? quickly before of course. we can 
And then we can kind of just do like an overweening like theme of this game before we talk about Bedlam and I think just big picture OU stuff because special teams, um, shout out Dylan Gabriel. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I was so, I, I think mentally in the back of my head, I was so mad at special teams that I didn't want to put their picture up here. Yeah, but, but here's here's my thinking. It's obviously in a game like weather like this, special teams, it's just are already going to be um, against it. But I know this has been talked about a lot elsewhere, um, else other places. What the hell is Marcus Stripling doing in that position in a situation where with this wind that was going on and they had pooch punched it and pooch uh, kicked it multiple times already in that game? You either really, really got to believe in Marcus Stripling as an athlete or you're not doing something right putting him that far back as a defensive lineman. Right. It's it's shocking that he was in that position. Um, and, I mean, for a way smaller degree, because, look, I played high school. It's not the same. When you're in a position that doesn't touch the football often, there is you, you cannot prepare yourself for the fear of a live football coming at you. Like it, it gets you if you're like a D lineman and the ball's coming at you like that. It's, it's just, why was he there? It's really confusing. I don't understand it. I, I get being on the front layer, maybe, but being that far back, like what, what are we doing? And I was it just, thinking about it, Bobby. Does it really say a lot about our tight end depth? Because that's usually where you have tight ends. We have nobody at the tight end position, like nobody. And right. um, what? who else are we going to put back there? So just show us that we just don't have a lot of big guys who can actually catch the football on this team. Well, I mean, we have Stogner. Like he was, I know we know he was out. He is out there because we, he made a massive play against UCF, um, but they just don't have enough. Um, but, uh, but like you, you, you do, but behind that and like Jason Llewellyn, who knows if he's even healthy yeah. nowadays and Caden Helms, the same, same story with him, you know, like in terms of like our kickoff, it's, there's just the tight end position is really good for that line of defense right there. And I just don't know if we've got that many options. It's, we don't, I mean, it's been a talking point forever you know even when you're talking about the good times um and it just it's poor it's really 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 poor um and i know hey, at least elzinga's punting nowadays good for him yeah elzinga's <laughs> punting fine but even then like we apparently don't know how to you know how to cover a pooch punt you know letting the ball like giving bean an extra 20 yards there when we could have pinned yeah, them deep bad. not not it, it's just the lack of composure across the board, the coaching was poor. Just all of it was bad. Just very bad. We we were given ample opportunities to correctly execute and defeat Kansas and move on with our day, move on with our season. And at each turn, we it felt like we made the wrong move and just let them, we just let them take it. Frankly, we let them take it. And that's, that's going to sting. I, I think overall, this is still a team that's developing, still coaching staff that's developing, and I'm not trying to poo-poo this loss. It's it's a bad loss. This is it, it's it's one of the it's I, it's not one of the worst losses I've ever seen in OU history. We've seen some 
far more unacceptable ones. Uh, Iowa State in 2017 comes to mind. Um, we've seen just some absolute stinkers. I don't know if this one's that. You know, on the road at Kansas, bad environment. You know, but it is one of those that is just just feels unacceptable because it's not like Kansas executed perfectly because they didn't. Mm-hmm. They came out with a good game plan, but they have ample opportunities. Three turnovers that we couldn't really take advantage of. It's just, oh, you should have won that game. And that's going to be something that we're going to have to sit with the rest of the, uh, really the rest of the season and into the off season. Um, did we this overhype this there. team? Yeah, did we overhype this team? I don't know. Um, maybe a little bit. Um, I, I'm not I, saying I think, a little bit because obviously we did a little bit because we just went I, and lost to Kansas after you know we were lip like living the high life after the Texas. But I think the team severely overhyped this. You think so? I I think the team changed a bit. Like I, I think if you look at how they played, like just throw Texas out, like ignore ignore the Texas game. If you look at how you how you played against UCF and Kansas, they look like an entirely different team than they did against Cincinnati, SMU, whoever. And that's mm-hmm. not even about the opponent. That's about execution. That's about the mentality. The, la- the the lack of focus since that break has been substantial. And I, I don't know if it's if it's a young team who, you know, maybe lost that chip, you know, trying to prove themselves after a, a frankly embarrassing season last year, you know, not having that chip anymore. I don't know if that's that or or what, but they just do not look like the same ball club um, in terms of the focus, in terms of the intensity. They just aren't quite there and that goes all the way up to the coaching staff that goes to jeff levy that goes to you know i i mean i i don't know if you could properly blame brent venables for it i i i think he's probably the least of our worries but i think overall you know the team needed to grow up and understand that after texas you know you still have half of a season play when everyone's telling you oh you're gonna get to see him in arlington next year and you know, like, oh, like, look at look at this cupcake of a schedule. You know, you're going to get snake bit by a team like Kansas. You know, the, these teams, you know, I, and I'm not trying to make excuses because you have to beat them. You have to get up for them. And that is something you can control. This was Kansas' Super Bowl. This was their biggest home win since 1984. Their first top 10 win at home since 1984. It means something when Oklahoma comes to town and you cannot stroll up and act like it's all gravy. It's all made in the shade just because you beat Texas a couple weeks ago. And I, I think that's kind of how they approach this one. And it mm-hmm. sucks, but it's a lesson you yeah. need to learn. Yeah, it's it's there's a lot of factors here, but in terms of acute new things. Yes, I think a lot of it has to do with the players. Now, I think Jeff Levy is a chronic problem. It works whenever it works. Um, But in terms of what we've seen this season, this is the same old Jeff Levy. He's playing stupid stuff like this. He was fading, you know, quarterback whenever we should be throwing it more downfield. He's been giving the running backs too many carries, even whenever it wasn't working. We've just gotten our way out of it with either poor opponents or a couple of lucky breaks. Jeff Levy's the chronic issue here. Yes, I am all about treating chronic problems. But... The acute thing is obviously something that is way more pressing and is something if you want to turn yourself around and stabilize, you treat the acute first and then worry about the chronic later. So, yes, I get 
I get it. Jeff Levy is the easy target right now because we have been frustrated with him for so long. But in terms of what we have with our players and getting them together and trying not to have stupid mistakes, which we've had plenty of in this game, that's what we need to fix first. I mean, I I agree. I agree. The levy the levy thing. I don't I don't think we I don't think there's any way you can fire him. I think the best thing you can hope for is that he gets hired away. Um, frankly, like through the keyhole brought up a really perfect, really perfect spot for him being Houston. I think that would be just like just yeah, get Levy to Houston. That would be great. I want that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um because I just oh, He's just not the guy, man. You just, when you know, you know. And I feel like for too long, like we knew with Lincoln, I, I feel like starting that last season that he probably wasn't the guy. I think we knew with Grinch that he wasn't the guy on defense. And we just, you got to call it out when you see it. And he's just not it. Mm, yeah. And I, I think AO Radio in the chat makes a huge, huge point that I've been saying since the beginning of Jeff Lubby, like right in the first couple of games, is that he coaches off of ego instead of adjustments it is no doubt in my mind jeff levy thinks the way he can call an offense can win you the football game yes you can but also i feel like he's taking so much out of what the players can do it really handcuffs us to be very one-dimensional so he goes out there and he says okay i'm gonna only run slants and you know quick routes so therefore if that doesn't work and Kansas is playing against that, we're screwed. But he thinks, I can do this and not have to worry about the risk of an interception, and we'll be okay because I'm good enough as a play caller that I'll make something work. No, no, that's not the case. Let your player, Dylan Gabriel, go out there and give him three different reads. Go out there. He is a veteran quarterback. He's been doing this for a very long time. He has the ability to go set back in the pocket make multiple reads, and find the right guy. Instead of, hey, Dylan Gabriel, you're going to throw to this number one wide receiver, and that's your option. Because I guarantee you there's no doubt in my mind that's how it works. And it's just not working. He needs to give the players more autonomy. He's got to stop puppeteering. We've got to have more open-ended plays. It's the offensive equivalent of banging your head against a wall over and over and over again and mm-hmm. thinking it, it's going to eventually work. And it just doesn't. And it's it's hard to watch, man. It's hard. It's, it, mm-hmm. it, it's really freaking brutal. But Let's talk big picture of OU. Like, right. What is your confidence for the rest of the season in terms of like making it to a Big 12 championship? So, look, I, I think it's... <sighs> It's tricky because we've gone from like kind of thinking that was a shoe and even like if we took a loss to I mean frankly it it's looking a lot tougher now um especially with who we have coming up it's with with uh, the injuries coming into this game at Stillwater there's no doubt in my mind that is completely why everything has changed well not only that but with how Oklahoma State is completely transformed with the rise of Ollie Gordon who in my opinion it has just just fought his way into the Heisman race. Frankly, the guy is the best running back in college football. One of the best running backs I've seen in a while. This stretch he's having is absolutely unreal. 
And Oklahoma State fans are too sketched up to say it, but I will. This is Barry Sanders tier type of stuff that he's doing. Oh my like this God. run, this type run is okay, a good. I like that this, phrasing a little bit better. Type okay. of stuff. This is this okay. is a Barry Sanders like type of heater that he is on. If he continues, okay. then okay. we can say Barry Sanders proper heater, but it's type of stuff that he the type of numbers he's doing it just he's unreal. not he's not like you're not no, he's not saying Barry Sanders, you're comparing his stats to it. Okay. Oh my god, oh, yeah, my, no. my stomach dropped. Totally different. No, no, no. <laughs> totally, totally different players. Totally different pr- uh, players. But um, look, overall, I, I think that becomes a massive hurdle next week in Stillwater. Um, I'm scared horribly about this one. I'm How far is the line drop again? Because I know that is just been pulling. Sure, Wasn't it like 10? Open, opening, it, opened it, opened, 10. it opened at six and a half. Um, oh, and surely, like, surely that plummet plummeted. OSU. We lost. OSU as a home dog is just that's insane. It's Checking, at six right now. Okay, so it's still I wanna, I wanna say that like it was even it more. I want to say that it was even higher before that, though. I'm looking it up. Um, but it's I think six is just ridiculous. I, I like it it opened at nine and a half and it's gone down to six now. Yeah. Woof. Like that's quite, that's quite the jump. I, I mean, it's yeah. And I, I mean, Vegas has been right on every single slide that they've made. Every adjustment they've made with their lines has usually trended that way. I feel like, um, and to, yeah, Corey in the comments is asking like, if, if we went out, do we make the CFP? I, I, I'm not even thinking about the CFP, you know, I, I don't want to do the old, you know, playoff speech, but like just frankly, like it doesn't matter because I don't think this team can win a playoff game. Not doesn't with the injuries. I, I, it just it I doesn't want to have this conversation either. Um, but I always say I don't care if you feel like I'm this team isn't good enough. You always say that if you can make it to the playoffs, you'd rather go there. Um, no, I agree. First lost. I, I this whole avoid the playoffs thing is just you're just when you're just scared. It doesn't make no. Any sense. I, I want to make the playoff if we can. Mm-hmm. If, if it means yeah. we get thrown into a, a wood chipper against Georgia, that's fine. We have tape. So against be it. it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, then we, then, you know, we move into the SEC. We have a game against Georgia under our belt. There you go. That's fine. It's all, it's all part of a, at this point, let's be frank. It's about trying to find your way to scrap and win a big 12 title and then do whatever you can do down the run. Um, but national championship is you don't even dare think about that. That's you're setting yourself up for failure. You probably were before this. Um, but I'll say this though, Bobby, I, I feel like as college football fans, you have to think like this because unlike any other sport, you know, a lot of people watch NFL. A lot of people watch NBA. A lot of people watch college basketball. You can lose games throughout the regular season. And you say, you know what? That was a big time loss. I'm gonna take it and move on from that. College football, your your leash is so your leash is so short because you can't have a lot of learning experiences with losses. So whenever we do lose, it's obviously inevitable that people are gonna think, how can I still get to the desired end game? Because that's the whole point of college football, right? Oh, I know. I get it. Do you remember 2020 when I was, when you had two losses and I was trying to scheme up ways that, oh, you could make the playoffs. Yes, still? Of course. Yeah, we do that. That's fine. I, I think it's just, it's one of those where, and I, yeah, if you're in the playoff, you have a shot, but I just don't think this team is that is there yet. And I, we didn't think they were there yet at the early part of the season, but with college no. football where it is right now. Yeah, they can sweep in, but 
I think at this point, as OU fans, winning out isn't a given. In fact, it's it's looking like an improbability just with Oklahoma State. Just beating Oklahoma State next week feels like an improbability. I, I, it does not make any sense how we're a six-point favorite on the road. I agree. Pe- they ju- people just aren't watching sense. OSU, I guess. Because mm-hmm. they look good. They've looked really, really good recently. And at mm-hmm. home, last bedlam, a little bit of ref funky, you know, funkiness. You know, like, I, I, I don't get it. Um, I will say, after Oklahoma State, I think our schedule lightens up a lot. I, I like West Virginia at home. Uh, I think BYU is still not that great. I know elevation changes things. Um, and then TCU at home is awful. TCU is horrible. And I'm, I, I'm not trying to trying to pre-jinx ourselves here or anything, but let's just, let's just be real about what TCU is. Um, so if you get past Oklahoma state and Stillwater, then yeah. Um, overall looking at the big 12 picture, it's a mess, man. I I mean, I, I'm sure you've seen the big 12 standings. Yeah. It, this it, Kansas state, Texas, everyone game has a loss. going to be a big one. Yeah. K state, Texas, both one loss. OU, uh, Oklahoma state, both one loss. Iowa state still out there with one loss. Which you know, I still so probably maybe better than third best. Who knows? Um, but I was still floating around. Well, yeah, exactly. You never know. Iowa State, though, you know, I just this conference towards the like the run in at the end is going to be very intriguing. But I will say of it, it's like OU and OSU. Who? whoever wins this game has a really good inside track. Cause I don't think Oklahoma state has a good rest of their schedule. No, you definitely doesn't think OSU like OSU doesn't have to play Texas. They've already played Kansas state already played Kansas. Obviously um, at that point, they would have played OU. I think they host BYU and then like Kansas like state head to head. It's nice. I think That's they really go to nice. Houston. Yeah. Like, OSU is going to be in a really good position if they win this game. Likewise with OU. It's a big one. Um, So just in terms of getting to a Big 12 championship, there's that. And there's not, I mean, it's not a guarantee that Texas makes it either. You know, given that Quinn Ewers is hurt. I think Malik Murphy is like pretty solid. He's played well, but we don't know. There's a lot of uncertainty. And I, I think if you're trying to be like a neutral observer, You'd say this is a pretty fun race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just like looping back to this Oklahoma State game, and like, you know, a lot of people are saying, like, oh, this, like, like us, they're saying, like, this line still doesn't even make, make sense at six. I will say this, though Oklahoma, when healthy, I feel like they've had a pretty decent run game in terms of like the power run game to where I feel like I would feel, you know, somewhat okay going against Gordon. Um, you know, he's still going to get his big plays. They're still going to get a lot of yards versus us. But in terms of like Alan Bowman, I don't know if that's the kind of quarterback I'm really nervous that could carve us up. Um, so I see why there's still some optimism on betting the OU side here, just because I feel like the way Oklahoma State's offense is set up, I still like if we had a healthy Danny Stutzman, which I feel like people aren't really taking into account, he should probably, I, I bet you he's going to play. He had an ankle right. sprain. He's going to play through it, and he's just not going to be healthy. Um, but, like, with a healthy Danny Stutzman, I get it. I get why this Oklahoma State team would set up to, you know, where Oklahoma's defense would play well versus that. For sure. Um, and I, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I understand, like, why people are, 
you know, if, if Sutzman is healthy and can go, that changes things a bit. You know, I, thinking about Ollie Gordon's run, he did it against Kansas, who had a real, who has a really bad defense. Cincinnati, not a great team at all, abysmal in fact. Uh, K State, mm-hmm. who you know has come on a little bit, but they've you know sort of revamped things, put in a new quarterback and everything. Um, I don't know. I I I don't want to I don't want to call OSU untested or anything. They they've won big games. Their turnaround no, has been very been impressive. They've been tested. They've they've gone through the ringer a bit, but it's like they haven't like Gordon hasn't seen good rush defense. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that side of the argument. Just just as an aside, I saw this um, while we're potting. It looks like Jinshir Williams is practicing today, so that's good. That's and good. then that's it seems like Brim Venables um, said, fingers crossed for Danny Stutzman and T- Tawi Walker. If Danny Stutzman is a fingers crossed, he's playing. It's as simple as that. That means for if sure. he's a questionable, he's going to play through the injury. So, yes, you know, Kip Lewis, I feel like it would be a such a big deal going against a guy named, a guy like Ollie Gordon. But you also got to realize Kip Lewis is a little undersized, and he's still working through things. He's done really, really good so far. Um, but, you know, like, he is he the answer to fixing all of our problems? No. Like, a healthier Danny Stutzman is. Now, with Danny Stutzman hurting, will we get just get more rotation in of Kip Lewis? I think that's where you see more of Kip Lewis as a – positive playmaker whenever he comes in that second unit and he just flies all over the field you know i'm really going to be linebacker this linebacking position i'm just zoning in on for this oklahoma state game i think they will be the reason we win or lose this game and because jaron canick's got to pick his shit up simple as that absolutely canick can not have a repeat of that kansas game he was all over the place that dude was that dude was playing like you know I don't even know how to describe it. It just made me think of like Kenneth Murray whenever he was running all over the place whenever he was younger and didn't know where to go. Yeah. And he's still young. I mean, he's a true sophomore. So like, you know, first game properly back, you know, in his home state, maybe, I don't know. I'm not trying to make mistakes for, or like excuses for him, but he was not good. Whatever that is, he's got to knock it off and get back to what he's been doing. And he's shown it this season too. Even like, I've kind of had this conversation with you, Bobby, like he makes flash plays. But also at the same time, you know, he's had these things where he just he's kind of been out of position a lot. And that's what happens with young linebackers, especially guys that are aggressive like him. He's going to have really, really bad games because that's his play style. And he's still trying to map out this kind of, you know, sixth sense where you can figure out which hole to go down in terms of being a linebacker because it doesn't come naturally. You just have to see it over and over and over. Then all of a sudden you just have that, you know, the wherewithal to know where to go. Danny Sussman had the same problem whenever he was younger and you see, he's gotten so much better about it. And yeah, we talked about Kobe and McKenzie too. Kobe and McKenzie look pretty decent too as well. Like we've got decent depth at the linebacker position. I'm really, really, really hoping that they can, you know, put together a good game in Stillwater because if not, then we've got a big problem. And I think in a way is a bit of an advantage knowing that Stutzman will be limited going into the game, you know, knowing that it's like, okay, he, Where are you, going you, know, you know, like no. we'll go. Well, well, no, think about it. It's an advantage knowing that you're like, rather than, Oh no, we don't have Danny Stutzman anymore. What do we do now? We have a week to prepare get those younger guys ready so they know what to do. So you have a little bit more consistency where you can plan for the absence of Stutzman or you can plan for the limited 
ability of Stutzman, whereas before you're like leaning on him heavily. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. You know, obviously knowledge is power. So like you'd rather know like beforehand, like throughout this whole week. But at the same time, it's just like I, I, I don't want my best player on this team. He is our best player on this team to be limited <laughs> just it's, well yeah no just, obviously you'd rather have stuff i i, I think you're i think you're 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 scrape you're scraping at positivities which i get obviously we have to right now yes um but it's like you know like our defense we can pick it apart and obviously like to stop their run game it's i'm i'm nervous but also the same thing is like our offense needs to come out and play better like the offense right. is the reason we lost versus kansas it's as simple as that the defense even though they let 30 points like Kansas has scored more than 30 points in every single one of their games this year, other than that Texas game. That Texas game is weird. That was a super weird game where they didn't even know who their quarterback was until like a couple minutes before the game. Like, you know, like I, I just, you can't really just damn them for giving up 30 whenever they're turning the ball over, like the way they did making special teams mistakes. And Kansas is a really good offense. So offense, you need to play better and come out and perform. Um, and, uh, Dylan Gabriel in the passing game, like it's as simple as that. You can't ever, ever have a, get another game like that again. Right. And I think overall, like, and th this sounds like either coach speak or like trying to oversimplify it, but you can't play scared in this game. Not, not in Bedlam, you know, on the road, you have to be bold. You have to be willing to go out there and, you know, play aggressive. And that goes from the coaching staff all the way down to the players. You have to be able to take chances, capitalize on mistakes, because frankly, the mistakes that the, 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 the mistakes the home team makes, they'll be able to recover from it because they have the home crowd on their damn side. They have the comfortability on their side. They have that energy just around them. You have to build your own energy when you're on the road. You have to bring your own confidence, bring your own moxie, you're the University of Oklahoma. You're the OU Sooners. You go into Stillwater and win all the time. You have more wins in Stillwater than OSU has win has wins in Stillwater against OU. You need to go in and be the aggressor, you know. And I know that's tough after a loss and everything, but you know you can't be playing timid. You can't be playing these. You can't be playing not to lose. You know you have to. You mm -hmm. have to be going at their throat. And that is the best OU teams we have seen go into Stillwater and play like that. Those are the ones that are successful. And it's like every time OU loses here, it's because they're way too conservative. They're way too like just half, you know, like tepid, I think I would describe. Um, and, you know, based on like what we saw last week, if they play like that, they're going to get beat in Stillwater. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Um, I really hope we win the coin toss and, elect to receive because that shows you that you're confident in this offense i'm, I'm really curious oh my Corey god are you kidding the me same thing yeah i legitimately well, said that before i even read the comments yeah. <laughs> like literally literally as you said it i saw it pop up on our little comments yeah, so it's, I love it's, that. it's as simple as that it's it, we gotta have some sort of you know way to tell our players we believe in them after that and i'm really curious who's gonna step up Who's going to change the vibes? Who's going to, you know, change the narrative for this, this OU team? Because, you know, you can't just let one loss take it down. There's upsets in college football every single season. And there's podcasts from every single fan base of people overreacting and every, all the, you know, optimism that we had one week ago is completely shifted. You know, the reality of it is it's, 
we are extremely biased with our recency bias. It's as simple as that. And recency bias is bringing things up that we had kind of, you know, pushed to the side. We knew Jeff Labby's play calling throughout this whole season has been poor. It's been poor. We know that. And we've decided not to look at that because we have done well enough on defense and we've had enough big plays to where it's like, you know what? We made it. We made it by. Now we're seeing these things. Let's try to think big picture here, Bobby, and look from a bird's eye view. There are some positives to this season. There's some negatives to this season. We had one bad game. We're hopefully not going to have to continue to play like we did versus Kansas. Hopefully situations will be different. Let's look at the positives here and let's see if we can bring back some of those things that we're doing well before this game and see if we can translate them back in a better environment than sleeting Kansas, Lawrence, like, you know, Kansas. Yeah. And I mean, progress isn't linear. We, we know that, you know, we, we're both Thunder fans. We've, we've heard enough Sam Presti press conferences to know that, you know, sometimes you have setbacks and, you know, frankly, you know, growing up, when was the last time you've seen an OU season where there isn't a bad loss? You know, every one of them, they at least lose one that usually doesn't make any sense or they, they hell, I, I would say, or they get straight up beat by Texas. But even then, like they don't lose the best Texas teams, you know, that wasn't the case really, you know, you lose to them and then they, I don't know. Uh, essentially yeah, Kansas, what I'm trying Kansas to say is, is a bowl is a bowl team. You know, they, they're going to a bowl game yeah. this year. So, like, yeah. you know, we've got to realize they've just clinched themselves a bowl. You know, there's six wins now. So, it's like yeah. it, there's been much worse losses that we've had. Ty's not here, but I uh, I feel like if he were, he'd be putting the quality loss banner up right now. Uh, and it's not. No, what I'm, but it's, <laughs> no, what I'm trying to say is we've had a lot worse scenarios right. as OU fans. It's not like I'm saying, oh, you know, Kansas is a really, really good opponent. You know, this we're, we're going to be fine. It was a quality lot. No, I'm just saying we've been we've been in much worse scenarios. Oh, for sure. I mean, last year we we were, we were concerned whether or not the team would make a bowl game, and I'm not saying like, oh, we should be thankful, or whatever. It it sucks. It it I'm not trying to take away the sting. It stings. It sucks. We should have won that ball game, and it should it should piss the hell out of you. Um, you should be pissed off. I'm still a little pissed off myself that that should have been a win. Um, but at the same time, you know, this is a team that, you know, it, you know, it's growing, it's changing and this isn't the final product. And if, if it was, I think that'd be a little disappointing. You know, things are going to change. Things are going to get better. We have new guys coming in, you know, this thing isn't where we, where we want it yet. We knew that ahead of time. I think we knew that after Texas still, we obviously had the optimism. I still have the optimism for where the program's going. Um, I think the program's going in the right direction, absolutely. But this isn't the final version of this team. And, you know, frankly, you know, we just kind of keep pushing and, you know, reverse course and, you know, beat Oklahoma State. Because, Jameson, that's a big one. If we lose this one, we're going to be clowned on by these fools for forever until we play again. We we saw what it was like with a non-rival with Texas A&M when they beat us in the Cotton Bowl. How bad that's been. Oh now, if OSU God. does it, we'll, we'll never live it down. Oh, that was a bad game. And it, the thing is, I hate to say this, and you already kind of said something like this earlier with coach speak, and you hate to say it, but in reality, how you respond in the face of conflict, whenever things aren't easy, says so much more about your team than what we did last week. 
This game this week will show me so, so much more. Even if we win it, if I can see some things behind the scenes that were still issues that were glaring and easily fixed in this Kansas game, and that's Jeff Levy's play calling probably number one as an easier fix that we probably won't get fixed, but at least him making an effort to try to make it a little bit better, which we've shown he's done tiny little things here and there to try to, you know, like he tried throwing the ball deeper whenever we were, you know, as a fan base at the beginning of the season, we're really trying to harp on him to throw it deeper. Hopefully there's some tiny little adjustments here and there in terms of like, you know, the offensive line play. Um, Jeff Levy's ability to, um, you know, be a little bit more aggressive. And then on the defensive side as well, um, trying to scheme up a better pass rush to make me feel a little bit more optimistic for the rest of the season. Um, but right now, I it's like I want to see how this team responds. Absolutely. And I feel like they've responded from, obviously they weren't as big as this, but letdowns or disappointing performances. They've, they've been pretty good at that, you know, next game, ironing some stuff out and looking a little bit better. So hopefully they get back on the right track um, in a massive spot here. So mm -hmm. uh, anything else you want to talk about with the Be uh, Bedlam game coming up? No, no, I'm, I'm nervous. I really am. Um, but uh, if anyone can go to that game, I know right now as no U fan, you'll be apprehensive. Um, but I think you should absolutely go because it's going to be really sad losing this rivalry. Um, for as long as we can and the environment of going to Stillwater for a college football game is so, so much fun. Even in a scenario like this, where you feel like you're really down on this OU football team, go there because it'll be worth it. Well, not only that, but it's a one loss OU team, man. Like if you're like giving up, but OU fans team, are reactionary. That's, that's how we that, are. And that's wrong. And that's wrong though. Like what other fan base would give up on a team, a, a seven and one football team? It's we ridiculous. Spoiled our fans. I know we're talking as a freaking fan podcast who is bitching about this team. Like we are way too reactionary. I said it earlier, we got to take more of a bird's eye view on it, but just as simple as that. I mean, I know a lot of college football fans are not rational people like message boards get ugly, but I feel like, OU especially, I don't know what it is. Is it just our long-term, you know, like we've been winning for such a long time that we are just extremely spoiled fans that do not take negatives very well. I think a lot of OU fans, frankly, care more about winning than they care about the team. They care more about the university. And I'm just being honest. Um, it's, it's annoying. It's frustrating. It's been a massive pain in my ass ever forever is how OU fans will just fade away from a team. They've done this with the non-football sites. You know, women's basketball used to be a big deal. Then they started losing more games. And now nobody goes to those games. They're getting a little bit better now that uh, Jenny mm -hmm. Branchek has but things that, going. But it's not the same thing. It's, that's, it's that, not, that was just a good team. That was fun. And it, but well, football's a culture, Bobby. But like, it, but like in the 90s, Jameson, nobody was there. People, you couldn't give it, you couldn't give tickets away. Quite literally, they tried. And the thing is, if OU isn't winning, people give up on them. And I, I don't think they're at that point yet. But overall, you can't give up on this damn team. You know, I, I just, I, I think as, as a fan base, and this kind of goes for the Thunder as well in some ways, you can't give up on the team when, it, like, you support the team whether or not it wins or loses. 
support doesn't always mean you blindly agree with whatever they're doing. Yeah, you can be critical. You can, you know, criticize them. You can be upset. But at the same time, you got to be in the seats that Saturday and cheer them on. They need your support. They need to they need to be backed. And I hope OU fans don't lose that focus. I don't think they are at that point yet. Uh, mm-hmm. The week's still early. Um, and we, you know, we're, we, we still have, we genuinely still have everything ahead. This has still so been a successful season so far. Oh, absolutely. Already. We've, we've already, look, we, we didn't, it, it's not a success that we have seven wins. Like that's not the success is improving on six and seven, but they've already improved. We want more. We want more improvement, but at the same time, it's, it's not, it's not throw away the program, fire everybody, that type of BS. Like this, this is still a solid team that deserves its love and support. So, mm. yeah. Well, Jameson, I think that's pretty much our show. Uh, any final thoughts before we wrap things up? Nope. Um, I just want to say that OU fans, I hopefully see a lot of you in the stands on Saturday. Um, it's going to be a really fun one. I'm jealous of all of y'all that get to go. Yep. I, very excited um, going to this one. Looking forward to it. Uh, all things considered, Bedlam isn't Bedlam if it's not in Stillwater. It's a special experience. Uh, the Pokes, you know, that home environment is one of the best in college football when you're on the road. Better environment than Oklahoma. Simple as that. It is. It absolutely is. And I think a lot of that, uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of that has to do with the stadium as well, just how tight you are in, uh, but also just the fan support. That is unconditional love. That is unconditional support that OSU has. Um, even when they're horrible this year, they bounce back and supported them. And I think that's that's some of the credit the Pokes with. Um, it's a different environment. It's a raucous. It's loud. They hate you. They want they want to beat your ass. And it's going to be different for this last one out. So get out there, make a difference, get excited. I can't wait. Uh, so yeah. Anyways, anyways. For me and Jameson, this has been the Schooner Pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, And we will see you on Wednesday for the weekend spread where we pick this game and a full slate of others here in week 10 of college football. Can't wait for that. It's going to be a good time. So until then, have a good week, everybody. And Boomer Sooner, beat Oklahoma State.